the lights are bright. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Ooh, glory to God. How many are watching online? We Hopefully some people are watching online too. Praise God. Welcome everyone online. Um, wow, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here this morning. You know, there's no place I would rather be than in your presence, Lord. It's the only place I want to be. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning. There is no place we'd rather be than in your presence. Your word says that in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, Father, we thank you for your presence here this afternoon. We thank you for the anointing of your spirit, Lord. Father, I pray you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying in this day and this hour. Prepare our hearts to receive your word. And I ask that your words would flow through my lips, Lord. And Father, we thank you for the seeds that are going to be sown, that they're going to bear fruit, fruit that remains. Father, we thank you. We just thank you for your goodness, for your loving kindness, just for who you are in our lives. We take time just to say thank you, Jesus. We thank you. You are so worthy. You are so worthy, Lord, and we bless you. We bless you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Woo. Well, do you, does everybody here go to Metro Praise? Oh, okay. Wonderful. Wow. And so, I don't know, maybe Lauren can help me out with this. I'm going to talk about something today. I can probably guess Pastor Joe doesn't talk about this subject too often. Fasting. Oh, she guessed. I didn't even have to say it, and she knew. Woo, hallelujah. Everybody, now that it's lunchtime, we're going to talk about fasting, everybody's favorite subject. Hallelujah. <laughs> so the question is, why should we fast? Why should we fast? Well, number one, Jesus did. That's a good reason. If Jesus did it, I want to do it. Number two, he told us to do it. That's another good reason. You know, I remember when I was um, teaching in Bible school in South Africa. You know, this is a subject that's very dear to my heart. Um, because we actually had one student and two friends die fasting in South Africa. So I, I, I opened up really lighthearted, but this is a serious subject for me. So in our Bible school, Harvest Bible College, when we would get a new group of students, the first thing I would teach on is fasting. I would take the first 30 minutes or 45 minutes of the first module that I would teach, and I would talk about fasting. Because in South Africa, there's a belief that you're not supposed to tell anybody when you're fasting. Right? Have you, has that ever been taught? Have you guys heard that before? Yeah. You've heard that before. Okay. I asked another question. How many people here have fasted before in their life? 
Has everybody fasted? Okay, how many have fasted for more than three days? Raise your hand. Oh, that's everybody. Woo, that's good. How many have fasted more than seven days? Okay, wow. <laughs> that's good. Okay, they would fast from, okay, we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about different kinds of fasting. Okay, so the fasting that I'm talking about in South Africa, when they call it fasting, no food, no water. No food and no water. That's hardcore. I don't even do that. I always drink water when I fast. I always, always drink water. Um, the Lord has not called me to do any three-day Esther fast or Jonah fast. You know, when, when Jonah, he, was, he told the Ninevites to repent, the king actually proclaimed a three-day fast. No food, no water. Esther did the same thing when she went before the king at the threat of losing her life to enter the king's court in the days of Esther, she would have lost her life if he did not extend the golden scepter to her. So she called for a three-day, no food, no water fast. So there are biblical precedents to the no food, no water. And even in the New Testament, the only three-day no food, no water fast that I could find. Does anybody know where it is? In the New Testament. Uh, there, it's not in there, is it? Is it in there? Come on. You guys are students. Anybody? No? Saul. I think it was forced, though. I don't <laughs> Saul. Saul, it's in Acts chapter 9, verse 9. Can you pull that up? Oh, I was going to start here, but that's okay. Can you pull up Acts 9.9? Let me pull out my Bible here. Acts chapter 9, verse 9. I believe that's it. If I'm, if I'm, yeah, three days, no food or water. And he was three days without sight and neither ate or drank. That's after he added his encounter with Jesus. So that is the only place in the New Testament where I see three days, no food, no water. I don't know that he was planning on it. So I don't even know if we really call that a fast. Can we? I don't know. So anyway, there, what people would do in South Africa is, and specifically in the beginning of the year, they would go on a fast. They wouldn't tell anybody because you're not supposed to tell anybody, right? Wrong. Where does it say that in the Bible? Where in the Bible does it say you're not supposed to tell anybody about going on a fast? Can anybody? In Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Let's go there and let's actually see what the Bible says. Woo! And this is what I would teach my students too. Now let's read what the scripture says. This is the New King James Version. I get excited teaching this. Moreover, when you fast, when, listen to what Jesus says, when you fast. He didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. Point number one, when you fast. 
Do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Hmm. It doesn't say don't tell anybody. It says don't be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, here Jesus says it again, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You guys all read that? Online, where does it say don't tell anybody? Do you see it there? No. Oh, amen. Hallelujah. Woo, we got an amen to that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Whoa. Now there's an emphasis right there. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> We are having technical difficulty, but that was right on time. Friends, that was right on cue. Can I get an amen? That was hilarious. A little emphasis on that. So we have things that we've been taught by people. Honest, good, God-fearing, loving men and women of God that are incorrect. Nowhere does it say, don't tell anybody. But most people say, well, it's assumed in there. Even my wife and I, we get into arguments. Well, it's implied. It's implied you're not supposed to tell anybody, right? It's implied. But it doesn't say that. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's glorious right there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, they would go, I, I, this is how I would begin the classes. And I would say, how many have been on three-day water fast, no food, no water? And I would always, we would have anywhere between, say, 15 and 25 students. And then I would have at least 7 to 10 that would say they've gone on no food, no water fast for three days. Then I would say, how many have gone on no food, no water for more than three days? And I would get at least four or five every single time. Then I would have them stand up, and I would say, class, these people here, they're walking miracles. Because scientifically and medically, you are not supposed to be able to survive without food and water for more than four days. It's, it's just not supposed to happen. So that means God must have a call on their lives because they're still alive. And I would encourage them, if you're going to do uh, uh, no food, no water fast, make sure you're hearing from God. Make sure you're hearing. And don't do it for more than three days. Because after three days, it's not good. Medically, it's not good. But if, if you know and you hear the voice of God and you know God and you've been walking to, with him for a long time, then you can do it if he speaks it to you. No food, no water. I mean, that's hardcore. Hardcore. I, I say drink some water. 
drink some water. So we had three people we knew died. And, and that's tragic because what they would do is they would go up to the mountains because they were told, well, don't tell anybody you're fasting. Another mistake. So they would go up for a week into the mountains, no food, no water, and then not tell anybody. And then a week later, somebody goes and finds them. Whew. Wow. That's not good. That's not good. So drink water when you fast would be my. And then I had my translator from the Bible school. He went on a three-day no food, no water, and then he broke it with peri-peri chips. Now, my daughter Johanna is here, and she's had peri-peri chips before. They're all spicy, all kinds of, like a three-day no food, no water, and then break it. And then he ends up in the hospital with 28 staples in his stomach, and he almost died like two or three times. I mean, to me, that's just the plain old spirit of stupid. I mean, come on. So what's important when you fast also is how you break the fast. How you break the fast is very important too. So why, do we, why should we fast? Number one, Jesus did. Number two, he instructed us to do it. Another reason is there's actually physical benefits to fasting. And when I talk about fasting, I'm talking about no food. I'm not talking about social media fasting. I'm not talking about, okay, you can drink Slurpees or, 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 or smoothies or, or all kinds of sugar drinks. I'm talking no calorie intake. Okay? Now, another thing. When I talk, you know, when you talk about fasting, we're not under the law. We're no longer under the law. We're, it's a new covenant. It's grace. And if you look here, Jesus is talking about fasting in the Sermon on the Mount. So what's the Sermon on the Mount all about? Well, Jesus is trying to trans transition the people from the old covenant ways to the new covenant ways. He's identifying the hearts. So fasting is a matter of the heart. Amen. He's searching our hearts. He's, he's, he's going for the heart. You've, he's going from the law into searching. Because everything, even like he says in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, don't even look at a woman to lust after her. So he's looking. He's going for the heart. So he says, when you fast, when you fast. Amen. So it's a matter of the heart. I've gone on many fasts in my, in my life. And I mean, when I used to fast, I used to make a list of all the things I was fasting for. This, 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 and this. Now I fast for one reason and one reason only. It's to know him. It's to draw closer to Jesus. So you ask, why should I fast? That's, to me, that's the number one reason. It's to know Jesus, to draw closer to him. And when I fast, it facilitates my being able to hear him more clearly. And I'm able to draw closer to him. That's the reason I fast now. 
I mean, there's many biblical reasons. And we'll see. I'm going to go through a few New Testament examples. I'll go some Old Testament examples. There's different types of fast. There's different length of days of fasting. I know this is not like everybody's favorite subject, but it's important because Jesus talked about it. He said, when you fast. So let's go to another scripture where Jesus is actually questioned about fasting. If you can pull up um, Luke 5, 33 to 35, please. Or Matthew 9, 14, 15, or Mark 2, 18 to 20. They're all the same references. As you can see here, Luke 5, 33. Then they said to him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? And he said to them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast. Jesus was with them. They didn't need to fast. So now he's not with us. Well, the reality is he is with us. He lives in us. Hallelujah. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we're not putting a law here. Remember, this is not a law. But if you desire to draw closer to God, I would encourage you to fast. But when you're fat, fast and pray. I mean, sometimes I just fast to get hungry. I get fast so I become hungrier for God. I fast so that I'll be hungry. I mean, when I lived in South Africa, we lived in the township where we were the only pale-skinned people for nine years. And I had people come to my door asking for money, telling me how hungry they were. And I would ask them, when's the last time you ate? And they might say, well, yesterday or, or the day before. But I've gone on several extended fasts. And I know what it means to be hungry. I've personally never made it more than 33 days on just water. Just water. No calorie intake whatsoever. So I know what it means to be hungry. And one thing that fasting does is it humbles you. And God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. He's a gracious and loving God. And so I want to know when people tell me they're hungry, what does it feel like? They say, they're, what does it feel like? And now, anytime I go on any fasting, it's by the grace of God. I understand it's only by his grace. If he doesn't grace you to do the fasting, or if he doesn't call you, or if he doesn't call one of your leaders to call a, a, a corporate fast, and you're just doing it in your own flesh, my, my advice, don't do it. <laughs> just eat. <laughs> I find that when I'm trying to do a fast in my own strength, 
You can ask my wife. <laughs> I'm not a nice person to be around. Because <laughs> if you try to do it in your own st strength, you know, if you haven't eaten, even if you skip a meal or two, come on, you get irritable, you get cranky. Here we got Dunkin' Donuts right here on the table. Come on. <laughs> you can get cranky and irritable. Amen? Am I, am I serious? Like, come on. I mean, if we go, even if we miss a meal, that spirit of irritation comes on us. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. You're out there. You're hearing me. You're probably eating, you guys watching online. <laughs> it's not even right. At least I know these guys aren't eating here. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, let's talk about the Jesus fast. Um, can you turn to um, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 14? So we know that Jesus fasted 40 days. No food. We don't know about the water part. Does it say? But we know that it does say in those verses, and he was hungry after. It doesn't say, and he was thirsty after. So once again, we could say, well, it implies that he may have drank. So that, the Bible doesn't say clearly whether he drank or not. But it says he was hungry after 40 days. I've tried so many times to do 40 days. Just never made it. Never made it. It's okay. Because I read what it says here about if, if you can scroll to verse 14. See, this is the verse that really got me. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through all surrounding regions. He taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So after 40 days, he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. He came out in the power. So fasting to release power. And that was one of the main reasons when I first started fasting. It's like, I want to move in, in the miracles that Jesus did. I want to see the power of God the way Jesus. And I was hungry to see that. In my first trip to Africa, I saw the things that Jesus did with my own eyes. There was even people that I prayed for. I saw people come out of wheelchairs that I prayed for. I saw blind eyes open. I saw curvature of the spine instantly healed. And I still hadn't gone on the fast. But what does Jesus say in John 14, 12? He says, greater work shall you do because I'm going to the Father and I'm going to send the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And in the Holy Spirit, he's the one that empowers you. The power comes from the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. It doesn't come from fasting. It comes from the Holy Ghost. He's the one that gives us power to be, be witnesses. And the signs and the wonders and the miracles, they're to be a witness to Jesus, to draw people to Jesus. It's the reason, like, well, what good is it if the blind eyes open of the blind person if they never give their heart to Jesus? I mean, they'll get to see, but they'll still be in hell in eternity. They're to lead people to Jesus. It's that they might believe. Hallelujah. In the Gospel of, of John, I think it talks about, depending on what versions you have, 98 
to 101 times, believe. Believe. It's that people might believe. So signs, wonders, and miracles are that we might believe. And we see when Jesus fasted, what did he say? And scroll back down to verse 4 here. Just scroll down. I think it's verse 4 that I want. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I said this yesterday. I said, this is what I feed on. This is what sustains me. It's the word of God. We must feast on the word of God every day. Hallelujah. It's what sustains me. Life is in the word. Word, the word of God is food. And we know three times Jesus was tempted when he was fasting. And how did he respond? It is written. It is written. It is written. It's the word of God. He, and and they, he had three temptations. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And he overcame every single one of them. I remember a, a prophet once saying, you got to be careful for the three G's. I'm not talking about the internet speed either. The gold, the girls, and the glory. Three things we need to be aware of. Sexual immorality, pride, the glory, fame, money. That's how the enemy tempts a lot of us in ministry. You know, I, I forget who said this. Some famous person probably. <laughs> No, maybe I'm actually forgetting what I was even going to say. <laughs> he talks about, you know, a man is tested. The greatest testing happens when you become famous. That's the greatest measure uh, when you become famous and when you have wealth. That's the greatest test. When we're given that. I forget the quote exactly. So Jesus fasted, and he overcame the enemy. He overcame so we can do the same thing, because Jesus did it. He said greater works we're going to do. Hallelujah. That's good news. Okay, Acts 9.9, I already shared that scripture. Um, Acts 13, verses 2 and 3. These are just a few New Testament references to fasting. Just in case you didn't think it was in the Bible. <laughs> Pastor Joe, it's in there. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just got to tease him. <laughs> we had a little conversation about this the other night. Anyway, it's all good. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3, it says, As they ministered to the Lord... And fasted, and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Verse 3, Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So here we see the fasting and praying and the laying on of hands for commissioning people. 
So it's in the Bible. Fasting is in the Bible. Just, you know, you might want to avoid it. It's in the Old Testament a lot. I'm just giving you a few examples. We don't have all that much time here. I mean, anyway, okay, so let's move on. Luke chapter 18, verse 12. I call this the religious fast. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, and, and he said that he's talking. Can you scroll down um, maybe the verse? Uh, he's talking to the Pharisees now. Okay, yeah. We begin in verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So I think he's talking to the Pharisees, the religious people. And he gives this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you. I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but it beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So the religious fast is you do it because, well, that's what we, this is the way we always, we always fast. We fast on Monday. We fast on Thursday. Those are the two days we always fast. That's the way my grandparents did it. That's the way we've done it in this church for the last 20 years. So that's where, well, that is the law. That's religious. The, my Bible says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. So we're not under the law. Tisa has a great story. My wife, who was with School of Urban Missions, um, back down in New Orleans like tw over 20 years ago. So she shares a story about some students who were not under the law. They were not. So they were fasting in preparation to go to the Mardi Gras outreach. So they were going to do 21 days before the outreach. Just water, no food. Day 14, one of the students gets a revelation. I'm not under the law. I'm not in bondage to this fast. <laughs> I'm not in bondage to this fast. Ah, let's go eat. We're not in bondage. They go to a Mexican all-you-can-eat buffet. 14 days with just water, and they go to an all-you-can-eat Mexican buffet. One of them ended up in the hospital. The other was probably in a lot of pain. Let me give you a little bit of advice. If you go more than three days with just water, you know, ease back into food. You know, once you get after three days, seven days, ten days with just... No, you know, start with a little juice, fresh squeeze, grapefruit juice, tomato juice, orange juice. You know, you might think it's acetic, but that's actually good. I've read tons and tons of book on fasting. It's actually beneficial for you. There's so many health benefits to fasting if it's done proper, properly. But I've done it 
and broken it improperly. I remember going seven days water, and then I had this nice pizza with pepperoni, sausage, mushrooms, onions, peppers. Ooh, so good. Man, I paid the price that night. Four hours. Oh, crying, crying. Lord, oh, have mercy on me. So... I'm just being real. So you got to be smart. The, actually, the hardest part of the fast is actually breaking it. It's afterwards. Because once you start eating, like if you've done it for extended periods of time and you go seven days without having any food whatsoever, food tastes so good. Everything tastes so much better. I mean, I'm telling you, the food just dances on your tongue. And you just want to eat more and more. So self-control, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> You're probably thinking he's having way too much talk, fun talking about fasting. <laughs> what is wrong with this guy? How can anybody enjoy fasting? Because <laughs> it draws you closer to him so that we can hear his voice. You know, we sang it earlier. I just want to draw closer to him. I just want to be in his presence. And when I fast, it helps me to hear him. It helps me to feel his presence. I'm denying myself so that I can hear him more clearly, that I can know him. So fasting for me is always accompanied by prayer and by reading the word of God that I might know him, fasting and prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Okay, we're running out of time. We still got a few more minutes, right? Let's, till one, okay. Let's talk, uh, let's give a couple Old Testament examples about fasting. You know, the title of the message was, Why Should I Fast? Well, a lot of times in the Old Testament, Fasting was for the nation of Israel, as I shared with Esther. Fasting was because there was a wicked man named Haman, and he, he didn't like the Jewish people, and he wanted to see them exterminated. And so Esther called that three-day water fast. No food. I mean, not water fast, but the three-day no food, no water fast for the nation that God would spare the nation. Now, fast forward it to 2021. Hello? What the heck is going on in America? I mean, the stuff that's happened overseas, I've seen it. I've lived overseas. But what's happening in America now? I think we need to be fasting and praying for America. Can I get an amen from anybody? I'm not saying we should just do no water. I mean, you better hear from God with the no water thing. But we need to be fasting and praying for America. Wow. And you'll find that those, not only the example of Esther, but if, if you look at Daniel. Let's look at Daniel. Can you pull up um, Daniel chapter 1? Verse 5, let's start with Daniel 1, 5, and then we'll, we'll do a little bit of moving here in Daniel. A 
Okay, so this is the 10-day Daniel fast. Have you ever heard of this fast, the Daniel fast of 10 days where he only, you know, he didn't eat the, the, the king's food and his delicacies and no wine? We've heard of this, 10 days. Well, the reality is it wasn't 10 days. Once again, we've been taught some certain things. The reality is this fast lasted three years. Three years. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and the wine which he drank. And three years of training for them so that at the end of the time they might serve before the king. Not only that, they were castrated. They were living in Babylon. The Israelites were in captivity. Woo! Okay, picture this. Okay, this is not, I mean, three years, no chocolate, no sweets, no candy bars, no sugar. Three years. I'm not talking 10 days, three years. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I couldn't do it. I don't know. Maybe I could, but it, it, I'd have to have some supernatural. Three years, friends. But look what happens. Scroll down to verse 12, please. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, please test your servant for 10 days. Okay, keep scrolling down. Um, Verse 18, now at the end of the days when the king had said they should be brought in, the chief of eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, before they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them Ten times better than all magicians and astrologers and all who were in his realm. Wow. So three years of fasting released wisdom, understanding, and favor. And this actually, if you continue to read in Daniel chapter 2, it saved their life. It saved their life. It released revelation and understanding. You read chapter 2 that the, the king has a dream, right? He's, and then he says to the astrologers and the magicians, you either tell me the dream and its interpretation or you die. That was the edict. That, that's it. I'm, you lie. That's what it says. Or you die. That was the edict that was released. Who could that like? You got to tell me the dream and the interpretation? And, and Daniel, he had got wisdom when he heard about this. The ex executioners were coming out to kill him. He said, wait a second, wait a second. Give me a day. Me and my friends, we're going to pray. God's, he said, this is what he said. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. They got the answer from God. And he gave, and you know, when he brought the answer, he said, he gave credit to God. 
he gave all the glory to God. And not only were their lives spared, but all the other people were spared too. Hallelujah. So there is, can be purpose for fasting. It could save your life. Wow, I'm not saying that's how it is today, but I'm telling you the way things are going, we need to be led by the Spirit today. Hallelujah. Um, skip to Daniel chapter 10. We have another Daniel fast. This is called the Daniel 21-day fast. The 21-day. This one is the one that I know a lot of people will do because it's fruits and vegetables. You know, you can still eat. It's okay. It's not too hard. I like to do this one. I'll do it with fresh squeezed juice and go 21 days, and it has a lot of health benefits to it. And it helps us helps me to facilitate hearing God more clearly and, more importantly, to draw closer to him. You know, that has to be. Hear my heart in this. I'm not putting anything on. I, I just want you guys to be hungry to, to know him more and to draw closer to him. Hallelujah. So Daniel chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. This, the message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled so that's a three-week fast vegetables not nothing no sweets no sugar you know just uh you know and if you look it up you can actually look it up in just some commentaries where it talks about how he ate lentils and beans and legumes and certain things that's all he ate so and and that fast and it talks about that fast there was a war going on, and it talks about the prince of Persia, if, if you were to continue to reading it. So he was fasting and, and interceding for his people and for the nation because he had actually gotten the word that, hey, Israel's already been in captivity for 70 years. It's about time we get free. Okay, so fasting brings revelation. Fasting draws us closer to God. It enables us, it facilitates our being able to hear from him. But more importantly, it's that we might know him. Hallelujah. Joel, the whole book, almost the entire book of Joel, was they were fasting because of the judgments of God that were coming on the nation of Israel. He, he tells them in chapter 1, verse 14, chapter 2, verses 12 through 15. He's fasting for the nation, repentance from God. He said, blow the trumpet. Blow the trumpet. Call a fast. Let the men weep before the porch and the altar, pleading, pleading that God would have mercy on the nation. Whoo, hallelujah. Judges, chapter 20, verse 26, speaks about a, a, a one-day fast before the king was going into battle. He called the fast for one day that they might hear, are we supposed to go to battle? What are we to? So fasting for one day just to get instruction, to hear the Lord. 
So there's many different types of fast that we can go on. But as I said, Romans tells us the sons of God, the daughters of God, are led by the Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God who lives in you guide you and direct you. And I'm not saying you have to just do water. Some of us, it would do good to fast the social media. Any, uh, anything that you have before God is an idol. So you fast any of your idols, TV, computer, phone, social media, whatever it is. Whatever God puts you on your heart to do. I'm not dissing any other type of fast. You, what you do, you do unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then we have Moses. All right, we're going to wind this down. We're getting close to the, we're going to land this plane. My wife says I never land the plane fast enough. Well, we're not going to crash land. We're going to bring you right down. We're coming down to the close. And now we're going to talk about Moses. Moses went on two 40-day, no food, no water fast. But he was with God. I mean, he was with God. I mean, he was in the glory. I mean, I don't know. If you're in the glory and you're with God, you just partake of him, his word, right? He is the living word. So he didn't have a need to eat or drink. He went up the mountain. And then when he came down, he was shining. He had to put a veil over himself. You know, and if we read what Paul says about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if the glory of the old covenant was fading away, how much greater is the glory of the new covenant when Christ lives in you? That, that glory is increasing, and we're going from glory to glory as we behold him. We become like him. Ooh, that was a freebie. That was just a little nugget. That's not even really about fast. That's about the glory. Woo! Hallelujah. We should have that loud thing interrupting now. Boom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you do the sound effects? That'd be awesome. Anyway, the, 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 um, some sirens were going by outside anyway. Hallelujah. Oh, guys, I'm having so much fun. Thank you guys for inviting me. We'll, and then, of course, there's Elijah. Elijah, we know he did a 40-day fast, too. And it says he was hungry. I think he had water, but we don't know for certain. Uh, you'll find that scripture reference in 1 Kings 19.8. So I'm just leave, leaving those references on for those that want to look up the scriptures after. And then, last but not least... Uh, if we can turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 16 through 18. King David actually fasted. Yeah. Second, uh, verse 16. David, therefore, okay, let me give you the context here. Um, Nathan had just come to David, told them, you know, what you did with Bathsheba was very naughty. And, and there's going to be a cost to sin, you know. We know in the New Testament, God, our sins are forgiven. But sometimes there's consequences afterwards. Hello? 
Whoa, now I'm starting to preach a little bit. Sometimes there's consequences for sin. So here, there was a consequence for David's sin. And the prophet Nathan said, your son is going to die. But David said, David therefore pleaded with God for the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground. But he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day, it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, while the child was alive, we spoke to him and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. Keep going. Verse 19, when David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? They said, he is dead. Verse 20, so David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, went into the house of the Lord, and worshipped. Wow. Just lost his son. Everything he was fasting and praying for didn't happen. But he worshipped. Wow, that's a good place to end right there. He worshipped. He worshipped. Then he went to his house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servants said to him, what is it this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. Scroll a little bit more. I want to read verse 22. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord would be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Well, maybe you can now. Hallelujah. I shall go to him and he shall not return to me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. David, I believed, had a revelation of the mercy of God. Yeah? He stepped into another day. He knew God was merciful even though the prophet proclaimed that he said, What if? What if? What if? So, Father, we thank you for your word this afternoon. I ask that the seeds that were planted would stir up hunger within your people. That would cause them to seek your face and to draw closer to you. I thank you that it will bear much fruit and we will all draw closer to you, Jesus. We thank you for this day. And we thank you for what you're doing in each and every one of the students' lives. Lord, be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.